Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 1-16-2022. We're continuing our worship, worship service this morning. And we are going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. All right. Here we have the thought of the week. And the title of this is Bad News, Good News. Has someone ever come to you with a puzzled look on their face to tell you, I have bad news and good news for you. Which do you want first? As I think about it, my answer to this question has typically been, tell me the bad news first. Why have I chosen this? Well, I'd like to hear the negative news first and then get the positive. Maybe the good news will counter or soften the bad news. Maybe the good news will outweigh the bad, and I will be left with the dominant thought of good news. We may not want to hear the bad news at all, but we know we must. It is like getting that 3 a.m. phone call from a family member or relative. You know it is usually not good news, but you are compelled to take the call. Or suppose you hear from your doctor after a series of test takings that there is good news and bad news for you. Could you imagine telling him that you don't want to know the bad news? No, you must hear it. In the same way, you shouldn't stop at the bad news. You must hear the good news as well. In this case, the news is not from a trusted doctor or relative. This bad and good news is from God, our creator. And it is found in his word to all of us. Well, what do you want to hear first? And that is the thought of the week. I would like to offer a little commentary on that, uh, maybe a little bit more than a little, but here's my comment nevertheless. I know what I would want to hear first. I would want to hear that the good news does in fact outweigh the bad news. And spoiler alert, in regard to God's word, it does. The good news far outweighs the bad news. In that regard, we can rejoice with thanksgiving for such a wonderful, comprehensive, and permanent solution. Unlike the doctor, God isn't going to order more tests after you've uh, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation. And if God calls at 3 a.m., we can sing praises to his name. Hallelujah. But also understand this, many have corrupted the bad news or made things up from pieces of scripture they've taken from here and there, but ignored the context. Either it will only partially solve the bad news, as if Christ's sacrifice didn't pay for all sins, or their version doesn't even properly identify the bad news, and the solution misses it completely. It is therefore critical that we let God's word define these terms truthfully and completely. We can even understand why there is bad news and good news. Then we'll begin to realize just how amazing is his grace. And I'll turn it over to Fred for prayer. Amen. At this time, excuse me, I'd like to uh, uh, open prayer, uh, before we open prayer, are there special prayer requests? Yes, um, I'd like to 
remember Mike and his family in prayer and Word of, Word of Truth Christian Church. Uh, we're praying for those who are sick among us, uh, and that includes a lot of us. So you, you know the story. Most certainly. Most certainly. Uh, let us bow our heads before the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to come before you on this Sunday morning. Thanking you, Lord, for your faithfulness. This is how great <laughs> is our faithfulness. Um, and the mercies um, that endure forever that we don't deserve, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your watch care, for keeping us, Lord. Asking, Lord, that you watch over and bless all the members of this church as we go forward and their families. Asking for continued blessings that you would keep them, Lord. And, Lord, that we, we might be encouraged to continually challenge each and every one of us individually. Challenge us, Lord. Continue to challenge our spiritual lives that we might continue to look to you from which comes our help. And, Lord, <clears throat> continue the growing grace of our Lord and Savior, and therefore take up our cross and follow you. Asking for prayer, Lord, for our brother Michael and the word of truth, his church, asking that you bless him and his family and his church. Asking, Lord, that you bless all of those who are afflicted and and continually, Lord, watch over us and keep us. Asking, Lord, that the Spirit of God might continually bless our, our pastor and his family, that as he delivers the word of truth this morning to us, that we might have listening ears, that we might hear this message, that it might move forward in our spiritual lives. You know, this, this, I was reading Isaiah, Lord, and it says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? We, Lord, know that we have a special mission here on earth. This is a dying world with pandemics, uh, many problems that continue. Asking, Lord, that we might go forth and spread your message. All these blessings we ask in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Fred and Dwight. Amen. Much appreciated. Amen. We're, we're continuing. Um, you know we're in John 17, 5. We have been there since the beginning of the year. John 17, 5, we're going to get right to it. <clears throat> it says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now, just to note, 
from week to week, I have updated these notes. So if you printed them out, uh, they may not be complete. It's just, just to note. So in your notes, if it is the Father's aim to bring many sons into glory, and it is his will that they be conformed to the image of his Son, then the first step would be to have a glorified Christ. We find in this profound verse a glimpse of a period before time began. There is no way anyone could know about this period since creation had not begun. And the first human being was not created. By the spirit of truth and faith, we can learn about this exclusive time period and understand what the Father, Son, and Spirit were doing as the eternal purpose was planned. Of the few places in the Word of God where this period is spoken of, we need to lean forward and pay close attention to what is revealed to us and for us. So we this is our third swing at this, and uh, it might not be the last, but we are going to do our best today. I think we we got a good understanding of point. We're at point number four now. <coughs> and recap, <coughs> just to note, we're going to cover a couple verses in point three, a couple points in point three, and we're going to go all the way down to G. <coughs> there was agreement between the Father, the Son, and uh, between the Father and the Son, that there would be glory. And we get that from where Jesus Christ is asking in prayer to the Father, Father, glorify me with, with the glory I had with you. So we know that there was some agreement going on with the Father and with the Son. So here are four points in uh, recap just to help us refresh ourselves to where, at least where we were prior. One is, since the glory depended on Christ's finished work, the glory they shared before the world began was projected glory. So, for, as far as God is concerned, when we look at the verses in question, you can't read verse 5 without seeing verse 4. It's, it is obvious that the work of Christ on this earth was a part of this glory that is seen. And he says, I finished the work you gave me, now glorify me with the glory I have. So, so this glory that they saw before time began was glory that depended on Christ finishing the work that he came to do. So I've called it here projected glory. Now God saw it already. He he saw this before time began. He, under, he saw the glory already that would be the result of the plan that he undertook. I'm calling it projected glory. Point two, this confirms that there was a definite plan before creation. And I said the reason why we have to say that is because many people don't have that as part of their theology. They don't have in their theology that God hid some of the plan from uh, those eyes that it didn't pertain to. And, and so we need to understand the whole plan. We need to understand why the Father hid it, 
What was the reason for that? The whole thing. We need to see it from, from his perspective so that we can fully understand it. And it, that's why it's important to say that. It confirms it. Yeah, there was a definite plan. God didn't just happenstance decide one day after getting up and having a cup of coffee that, hey, I think I'll create all things. No, there was planning that went into it. There were roles that had to be played and, and taken responsibility for. And all of that happened before time began. All of those decisions were made before time began. Point three, since they shared this glory before time began, they shared it. They saw the completion and result of it. So God sees things that are not as though they are. He can, in fact, God is the one who creates time. He, he literally created time. He created all things. And the fact that he can see what happens at the end, and we, we shouldn't be surprised at this because we see plenty of scriptures that tell us he is, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I see it all. I'm, I'm here, God is saying. And I can, I'm the one who created the whole thing. So I can certainly see how it all works out. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Just Put a pin in that, and we gave the car type anal a car prototype analogy. So even with a prototype car, uh, people make some kind of mock design just so people can get an, a vision of what their vision is. So God, from eternity past, He saw this is more than a prototype because God saw exactly how things would work out. He knew what He wanted out of creation. He knew going in what the goals were, what his purposes were. And he saw that to the very end. And that's, that, it, that is very clear from the scriptures that we can think about. Four, evidently all the members of the Trinity were pleased with this. That means they were all on board. And what is that? The executed plan. Because uh, if they were still talking about it, we wouldn't be here. If they didn't agree on it, then it wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a creation. Because the creation was part of him executing the plan. So evidently, yes, all the members signed on, all the members agreed, and all the members are behind it. And I ask, where are we? Are we behind it? This is the thrust of all things, of the universe of God's eternal purpose. This is where he is. This is what he's trying to accomplish. Are we seeing life as we're just here to please ourselves? Or do we see life as those who have been destined for this glory before time began? So I'm, I would say the latter. We are those who've been called, who've been destined. But not everybody in the church sees that. So Paul said it was his job to make it plain to everyone, the administration of this mystery. It was his job to make it plain. I would say it's also our job as well. Point number four, here's where we're going to begin 
um, the conversation that we've had. And this is the last praise in um, John 17, 5. The last phrase is before the world began. So let's just read the whole thing just so we can make sure we integrate it. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let's just look at the implications of that. The first point is Jesus is praying to the Father about a period before the world or cosmos began. When we think about before the world began, when was the when did the world begin? <laughs> There's a lot of speculation about that among scientists. But whatever, whenever, it was a point in time where God created the universe. Genesis 1-1 does a, a very good job telling us that in the beginning, now this is not a beginning where God began. We don't have such words in scripture. There is no beginning for God. But the beginning referenced there in Genesis 1-1 is the creation of all things, just like John 1, 1 through 3. There was a beginning that included the Word and God, the Father, and then it commences to tell us in verse 3 that all things were created by the Word. Not one thing made has been made, except the Word did it. The Word is the responsible for all creation. The Word is God. And that's that's the person of God we needed. To, we we kind of went through a lot of that, so we won't repeat it. But to note, before the world or cosmos began, Jesus is praying to the Father about a period, about a time that he knows about before the world began. Think about that. Jesus is a man. How did he know? How does he know what happened before the world began? He, he was born in Bethlehem. And what did he know as a baby? And how is he at this point now where he's able to pray to the Father and talk about before the world began? I don't want to keep asking more questions that I can't eventually answer because... Uh, for the sake of time, and some of them, uh, you know, these are questions that I'm saying we should be leaning forward to make sure that as we think about what Christ, the implications of this question or what Christ is saying, that we ought to see that the same person who became flesh is the same person who was in John 1.1 where it says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the word himself was God. It's the same person we're talking about. And we're seeing that that same person knows what happened before the world began. That's amazing to me as I think about it. That that's the person of Christ. So even though he's a man, the person that he is has two natures. And for him to make a, to pray like this, about a time when he and the Father existed, interesting. 
Interesting, to say the least. So let's dig into some of the points here. So this before the world began, I just thought I would give you some of these other translations and we'll go quickly go through them it's for your reference because it's not the world from the standpoint of this earth in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth so he created the universe <coughs> really including planet earth so he's going to focus on the earth so he talks about the earth but God at one point created everything the earth is not a secondary thing for God. Although what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, it says, but the earth became, or the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. As we know from Isaiah, God did not create the earth that way. So we know that the earth came to be that way after God created the heavens and the earth. So there's a lot we could say about that in Genesis. So we can see that there's a period. But my point here is that God created the universe, including planet Earth, in, at one point in time. By It says, by his own word, he created the universe. That's what we've learned in Hebrews. God was able to create the entire universe by speaking it into existence. That's how it happened. So point. So let's look at these. Uh, Weast, before the universe existed. That's how he renders that verse. So Jesus is talking about a time, not just before earth existed, but before the universe existed. Point number two is before the world existed. That's the ESV. Somebody here, I think, reads the ESV. <laughs> Somebody I know. And then point number three, before the world was, New King James Version. And then before the world was created, the Net Bible. Or before the world was. I think that's the same in the King James as the New King James. I guess I could have just saved that line and didn't realize it was the exact same before the world was well, it's not a bad translation none of them are bad translations i just wanted to give you some of the variations of translations that are out there so so there are this is a very critical time period because this is the time period where the planning of all things took place we should know that it is a very critical time. The planning period is critical. We should know um, what was going on during this time. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to hear the back and forth conversation if there was any? We don't know what kind of conversation it was. Did they hash it out? Did the son have a plan that they voted on and said, okay, we're going to go with the father's? Did Was the Holy Spirit plan or was it the father's plan? All we know is that it was the Father's plan. That's the plan, at least how it's communicated to us. So it's a very critical time period. This, this is stuff that there's no way we could have eyes on because we weren't around. Not even to say we weren't around, because even when the world was created, 
universe was created, it took many, many millennia before we could even be on the scene. It was just, there's absolutely no way we can know this information. This information is exclusive. And what happened during this information, the only way we're going to, during this time period rather, what happened, the only way we could possibly know is that God reveals it to us. It has to be by revelation. Revelation is where God is revealing information that we would not have known and could not have known. And he wants us to know. That's revelation. But illumination, just and this is the technical way to look at it, is about what God has revealed to us and the Holy Spirit making that real in our soul. In other words, making it understandable to us. That's illumination. So revelation comes directly from God and there's really nothing that we can do. It usually comes to prophets. Illumination can come to everybody. It's about what prophets have written or said. So, so these, there are a lot of other references about this critical time period. Let's read a couple. And I'm getting my Bible ready here because we're going to be zipping through some of these especially some of the ones we already went through. John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So, so notice, verse 2. We kind of read past that to get to verse 3, but don't read past that so fast. We won't take all our time trying to really dig into this more. But notice, it speaks of the persons of God right there, two of them. He was with God in the beginning. So in the beginning, what kind of beginning is that? And that was before all things were made. Because in verse 3, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So in other words, there was nothing. There was a time, and we could call it eternity, a time in eternity when there was nothing. When we say nothing, obviously it was the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But what we're speaking of here is in terms of creation. There was no creation. No angelic or human or universe or, you know. And it's, so the, the succession of this this is a beginning because it, it there was not another beginning be, before this. This was the beginning of all things. That's something to note because there's a lot of speculation about uh, sci- from scientists about oh, how many universes are there. I mean, and even theologians can talk about, well, is this creation... The only creation that God ever made? Is it the first one, the second one, the third one? What is it? This verse, John 1, 1 through 3, if you just read between the lines and read what it's saying here, it's saying that this was the beginning. Not the beginning of God, obviously, that's not so. But the beginning of all things. The creation of all things. It doesn't say, uh, there's, you know, it gives the, the characters here, Obviously, for them to create something, there had to be a plan. There had to be 
blueprints, schematics of how they were going to do it. And, and they did. They had all that. They hashed it out. They did decide that this was the plan. And in verse 3, you see it executed. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So, so we don't have to look back any further than this. This is it for us. Somebody can ask, well, what happened before that? How long before that? Well, they were in eternity before that. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were in eternity. What happened before that? Well, there wasn't a creation because this creation is according to a plan. And the plan, as it is revealed to us, is executed with creation. All right, so enough time spent on John 1, 1 through 3. And then there's Colossians 1, which gives a little bit more information about this time period. Colossians 1. 15 through 18. I'll read it quickly. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Notice, all creation. So there's not another creation somewhere. There's not aliens who have been created that are a part of some sort of construct, that dimension that we don't have or can't see. It's none of that. It's all speculations in, in man, uh, but it, it's all false, according to the Bible. This is it. He's over all creation, and he's the one who created all things, and that's what we're getting to in verse 16. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. There's more that could be said about him. All the fullness of uh, God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him. There's much more that could be said about that. These are meditative thoughts that we are given, that we would have no clue about otherwise if it were not for this revelation. You couldn't know this. You can't dig up rocks and ancient civilizations and bones or whatever. You can't. None of that will lend to this information. This is the only way you're going to get it is that God tells us this information. If he doesn't tell us, we don't have it. We just continue dreaming. Spurious thoughts. And you know, people talk about the pyramids and oh, there must have been aliens that came and created the pyramids, and that's what this wisdom is just no, none of that is true. All these are the speculations of man who have not factored a God, at least the God that we know, into their thinking. Of course, they can come up with lots of lots of fanciful things. Where did you think we get the theory of evolution? Where'd that come from? Man thinking about things apart from God. Let's keep going. Ephesians 1 4. Here it is. Uh, Ephesians 1 4. It says here, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's interesting that I only pick one four because if you look at the rest of this, 
look at three, all of this has to do with before the creation of the world. The creation of the world is creation of the universe. So this part in three, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When did he do that? When? Before the creation of the world. Those are things that God did. He did this. These are results of when they came to what the Father's plan was. These are results. And he did this before the universe existed. That's the time Christ is praying to the Father about. That's amazing when you think about that. He chose us in him. Uh, we could spend the rest of the time talking about that. And one of these days, we're going to get back to Ephesians. We're going to have to go develop this again. But, man, that's an act, a definite act that happened before the universe existed. No wonder we're seeing verses like what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what has not entered into the heart of man. They could possibly, there's no way they could possibly know this information. These are what God is saying are the deep things of God. For us to focus on this time period is the deep things of God. And then there's 2.10. 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. I know I'm moving fast. 2.10. I'm probably asking more questions than I'm answering things. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance. Here it is. He prepared in advance for us to do. So we were created in Christ Jesus when we were, how did that happen? That's through the baptism of the Spirit. That's how we got into the body of Christ. I mean, there were lots of other people on the earth who were saved. I mean, we can, th we can talk about them. Moses and Daniel and Noah even. Go back further. <coughs> Excuse me. There's lots of other people on the earth, but they weren't in Christ. They weren't created in Christ Jesus like we were. But there's a special work for us to do. It's not just, okay, now we're created in Christ Jesus. Now we can think about what good works we can do to, in the world. Now, all of that is planned by God. He knew, he knew what we were going to do or what we were created to do. Look at that, prepared and advanced. What's advanced before the creation of the world? When we were chosen in him. He knew what we were supposed to do already. What work we were supposed to do. What we were supposed to be. All of that. It's already planned. Before time began. It's interesting how evolution uh, without God has all of these things happening. You know, how the development of the, you know, the one cell amoeba and all this stuff. And, and then from that, and I might be saying that wrong. Uh, but how it developed from such a small nothing to through a series of mutations and, and, and mistakes and all that. It finally, some, some force in nature has guided it to the fact that we can now sit here and talk about such things. 
impossible. And that's not only is it impossible, but it's preposterous that this would happen in the first place. But yet, this is something that is taught in schools. That man, people, man decided we have to come up with an explanation and we're going to not only have that as a theory, but we're going to teach that in schools in our books to our children. So that they can have these ideas of foolishness in their hearts about evolution. How things evolved apart from God. This is a godless world. When you think about it, we've been indoctrinated with this stuff. And we have to do more unlearning than we have to do learning, for the most part. All right, off this point. But prepared in advance for us to do. God already planned it. He knew about it. It wasn't something that it was a second thought. It was, it was prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Corinthians 2.7. 1 Corinthians 2.7. It says, no. <laughs> it starts out with no. We declare God's wisdom. Okay, l- let's read the previous verse. So I don't want to start with no. So verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, it's not about the worldly wisdom. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. Notice this, these words, before time began or before the ages. Before the ages was it means before... And that would be the first age. Before the ages would mean before the ages began. The ages are time periods that God sees as uh, the that time is divided into. Time is divided into periods, and God is divided. But we could say before time began, or the word, the Greek word, speaks of ages. So just so you know. So it says, destined, notice there's the wisdom that we have, we declare. This is Paul saying, we and others, we, we, we apostles, declare a certain wisdom, and it was hidden, and that God destined for our glory. This is the first scripture we read about glory so far in this time period. There's a lot more. A lot more. We've already covered that, hopefully, in enough detail that we don't have to continue to to build that anymore. But hopefully, you understand. So, but this is God destined, or what we could say, He planned, He marked out for our glory. So there's a certain wisdom that it must. You have to say. That whatever happened in this time period before the world began, Jesus is talking about, had to do with us. You have to say that. I know that sounds arrogant. People say, "Whoa, you really think you're something, huh? You're talking, wow, you're really, you're way out there. We're not even talking about some time period in early human history. We're talking about before the universe was created. We can talk about things before the universe was created. 
And we don't know this information because uh, we just are smart. We know this information because it was revealed to us by the spirit of truth. That's the only way anybody could ever know this information. You had to believe it. Some people reject it. They say, yeah, I heard what the spirit of truth said. I don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's foolishness. But for us, it is power. It is the power of God. So we're seeing the deep things, the very heart of God. I mean, it's literally God has revealed his heart. God wrote a tell-all book. And then people decided, I don't think I'll read that. Not interesting to me. I think our books are better. This is before time began. He destined it. And we have something to do with it. For our glory? You mean there's glory for us? Oh, we talked about that already in detail. Before time began. I don't know what you do with that verse. I don't know what people do with this verse. If they're going to somehow place this verse in a salvation construct, that oh, that means we're saved eternally, we have eternal life. I don't know. It's way more than that. You can't just stop there and say, oh, isn't salvation glorious? Oh, it's way more than that. We have to know. I mean, just read the verses the way they are. Destined. This stuff is destined for us. And everybody got this. It's not for everybody. It's for us who are in Christ. For our glory. Hmm. Interesting. And then we'll go to Romans 8, 29 and 30, which all of us know very well. But these are verses that happened before the world began. Romans 8, 29 and 30. Let's see. And, and there's more. A lot more references to it. It's almost common knowledge for us since, since look at the whole Ephesians. I stopped at a couple of verses, but man, he started talking about we were predestined to be adopted. All that stuff was before the world began. You should know that. So verse 820, Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew. Foreknowledge is about that time period. That's when that went on. When God came up with this, and he commun he's communicating to us in words that Paul wrote in first century, A.D. But really, he's writing about things that happened before the world began. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Predestined, foreknew, all of this happened before time began. We just saw it predestined in the previous verse, one of the previous verses, where he gave us a certain role that we would play. And there were works associated with that role prepared in advance for us. Here, for those God foreknew, that's those who are in a plan of God, who are going to be in this special plan of God that we're going to be uh, used in the plan to accomplish his will. He also predestined. Predestined means he marked them out, their lives out in a certain way. And, and it tells us what our predestination is toward to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, those are the boundaries in which we find ourselves today. We are in Christ. 
But all this happened in before time began. How did he start? How did this predestination and all this? He chose us in him. And by, by chose, choosing us, by choosing us, by choosing us, he's saying that there's a purpose for our lives. He didn't just randomly say, well, let's pick some names out of a hat and then those will be the ones. I can't tell you exactly how he picked me or you can't. I don't know. Other than his sovereign choice called us. And that's why we're here right now. But he also predestined us, meaning there's a plan for us. He didn't just choose us. He, t he chose us for something. And that we will be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then he goes on and tells us, that's all about our predestination. But, but he gives another verse here in 30. And those he predestined, he continues, because that's still that time period we're talking about. He also called. Okay, now called here is in time. See, because he chose us, right? He predestined us, and in time he called us. What do you mean called us? Uh, we answered the call, and he sought us out, just like he sought out every other person. But those he called, he also justified. And that, those are, we could say, all of those who received the call of salvation in this age, God knew. And those he called, he also justified. And those justified is salvation. That's in time. So called is in time. Um, justified is in time. But glorified. And those he he, he also glorified is in the future. Now, those he justified is in time, but some people haven't even been born yet, perhaps, that are going to be part of this age, of this calling. Those he justified, he also glorified. When I think about those he called, I also think about the church. The word for church is ecclesia, and it refers to those who are called out an assembly called out, but not just called out, hey, just we're just going to be hanging out, but for a purpose. It could be townspeople called out for a certain purpose. They come together. Uh, could be, so called, this calling out of people means they're coming out of their houses. They're coming out of where they were so that they can come together for a purpose. That's the word that's actually used for church. And when it talks about us being called out, we, our calling stems from eternity past. When we answer that call, we're really answering a call that happened before the world began. So that's important for us. He, those he called, he also justified. Well, once he called us, we were the very ones he saw that he chosen to be in his son. And, and he knew we were going to be part of those who were saved. <coughs> Excuse me. So, those he justified, he also glorified. And justified, that means we're saved, we receive the righteousness of God. The only reason why we're justified is because we have the righteousness of God. We can't be justified if we don't have righteousness. That's 
Justification is in time. When you believe in Christ, that's how we receive righteousness and are justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The glorified we talked about earlier, because that's part of future, when we will receive the glory. As we saw in 1722, I believe it is, where it says, the glory, I, the glory you have given me, I have given to them. He also glorified. That's the destiny. Destined for our glory. This wisdom is destined for our glory before time began. So there's other passages in Scripture that relate to this time. Actually, the more you look, the more you're going to see. Plenty others. So we're going to cover these eight points, and then we're going to close. That's... Look at our time. It's moving forward pretty quick. Okay, so we're going to cover these eight points, I think, and then we're going to close. So what else do we need to know about this critical period, that period before time began? What else happened? One, we know that the universe is not eternal. It was created according to a plan. And that's good to know because the world says something completely different. And the universe is not. In eternal, even though it's been here so long, we, we tend to think that that's all we can see. You know, it must be eternal. The universe must be God. It's not. It was created according to a plan. Point two, everything we know about this period comes from Revelation. And Revelation, if we read Ephesians 2, here's a good example of it. Ephesians 3, 2 through 4. <coughs> Three, two, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. Wow, I don't know how people get around this. I'm not going to be apologetic about this. But that is the mystery made known to us or to me by revelation. So there's how Paul came to know this information. It is by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight. And there's that word, sunesis, insight, that we talked about earlier. Into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So, Paul's an apostle. I would say he's also a prophet. But it was, also, it was made known... That's how God disseminated this information through apostles, prophets. Notice, it's by revelation. You can't know it other than that. We can now know, since Paul wrote about it, we can understand his insight into it. Right? We can understand that. We could get it. But we would have never got this information. There's absolutely no way we could get it. Point three. Not all parts of the plan were hidden. Specifically, the church was hidden until the spirit of truth began to reveal it. So we should know that this whole thing is a plan. And it was a plan that God set in motion when he created all things. That was the point where God says, okay, this is the plan. We're not going to switch horses in midstream. We're going, this, we're going to execute this plan. This is the plan we're working on. This is the plan all the members of the Trinity have signed off on. This is it. Let's execute it. They all agreed. Let's do it. So, but not all parts of the plan were hidden. We just read in Ephesians where some of the parts of the plan, there was a whole dispensation or age 
in which God had revealed a lot, but he didn't reveal this age and what was going on in this age. Israel knew nothing about this. We already covered a lot of this stuff with the mystery. I know this is information you already have, but just notice in the context of what we're dealing with. Point four. Creation and God's dealings in the Old Testament were revealed. Yes, these component parts of the plan were visible. I kind of already said that, but just to note, Israel is a part of God's eternal purpose, but it was the, a visible part of God's eternal purpose, of the plan. Now, the part that was hidden that pertains to us who are in this age was hidden from Israel. Just note to note. The whole thing is a part of even creation. Heavens, God created the heavens and the earth. That's part of God's eternal purpose. What he wanted out of creation. And he held back the pinnacle, the very heart of what he wanted, which is this particular age. And it is, has to do with us bringing many sons into glory. Or as Romans 8 says, those he justified, he also glorified. Which is future for us yet. But it is inevitable. Inevitable. It's happening. It's going to happen. Point five. All of this can only be revealed by faith, or I'm sorry, received by faith from the Spirit of God. And we know that 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12 is the scripture I wanted to share with that. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12 says... For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I noticed this part because he's likening these deep things, these things that God hid in his heart to, this is what he's talking about here. Think about it. Who could possibly know that? Nobody. Nobody can know this information except the Spirit of God, it says here. Obviously, we know the Father, Son, and Spirit know it. And the Spirit is the, it's his job to reveal it. So that's what he's getting ready to do. So verse 12, we have received, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand, there it is, understand what God has freely given us. We may understand it. It's for us. He didn't give it to Israel for them to understand. He didn't give it to Gentiles for them to understand. But he gave it to the church. Gave it to us. So that we can understand it. It says something. That's very, uh, I think, important in how we view the plan. Okay? So that's point five. Point six. The church was born in this period. When I say the church was born, not physically born, before time began, before the world began. It wasn't the, when we think about the church, we can't say the church existed physically. And the church is people, by the way. It's not a building, as you know. We can't say it existed before the world began. That doesn't make any sense. But God's plan. So this is what it says, church, the church was born 
in this period to know I have this is what Christ says of us. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world. Who's they? He's talking about the church. Well, he's really talking about the foundation of the church at this point. But later he tells us in verse 20, I'm not just speaking to you alone, but for those who will believe in me through their message, through your message. Well, we know what their message is. So they are not of the world. So that's interesting that whoever we are, we're not of the world. And just think about it. We were born, as I said, the church, we were born before the world began. And then it's telling us we're not of the world. Now, to what degree or how do we recognize or understand that? Understand it from what the Word is telling us. Any more than I am of the world. This is Christ speaking. Now, he's speaking in a context where he said earlier, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began, before the universe began. So Christ is not of the world. And we saw this last time. Adam was from the earth. And the men that are after Adam are in Adam are also of the earth. But we are from the man that is from heaven. And didn't say we are from this earth too, even though we've been born here. That was our beginning. But that's not where we're from. We're from somewhere that is even before the world began. It's not even about the world. It's <laughs> what the Father wanted, but the world was used to bring us forth. But we were born. This is what I mean by the church was born in this period. Because now it says we are of heaven. We are Now we're of heaven, not just we're, we're going to heaven. <laughs> we're of heaven. Do you get that? Hopefully you do. We're of heaven. So Christ said, they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. Well, Christ was born here. How can he say he's not of the world? Because the focus is not his earthly sojourn. The focus of the eternal purpose of God is what was hidden and what God's the result that God is looking for when he brings many sons into glory. Those sons that he brings into glory are not of this world. Nothing in this world is like what God has brought forth through the person of Christ. We are conformed to the very image of his son. They are not of this world. To what degree? What do you mean? Any more than I am of this world. A person could say, but wait a minute, Christ, you are from this world. You, you, you were born in Bethlehem. We already got the record of your birth. Christmas time just passed. We celebrated your birthday. <laughs> Silly. Somebody could say that. However, Christ is speaking here to the Father about a time that existed before the world began. It is... The Father's plan is not about 
the earthly sojourn. It is not about your earthly sojourn. It goes beyond that. And you have to start thinking about Father's eternal purpose as it relates to you and what he wanted to make of us. What did he want out of it? That's what we have to begin to start thinking of ourselves as. He tells us you are not of the world. You're in the world, yeah, but you're not of the world. All those nifty things people are saying. Wow. We were born. Right? So that's point six. That's John 17, 14. We'll get to that first at some point. God willing. Point seven. You might say that the church was a temporary platform for God's design. And this, listen to this. Other ways that you can see the church in Ephesians 1.23, which is his body, the fullness of him, fills everything in every way. Well, who, who are we talking about? We're talking about the person of Christ. We're the body of Christ. In other words, we complete him. The Father's plan. Just imagine Christ the head without the body. Well, he's not complete, right? But we complete him. The fullness of him. That word, pleroma. Wow. It talks about filling up a deficiency. right? You see that it's only half full. So what do you do? You fill it up. Christ, it says that we are the fullness of him. So it's not a deficiency in Christ, but it's that the plan of the Father was to bring many sons into glory. Well, those sons are in Christ. And until the last son is finished being called into Christ, then he's not complete. He's not finished. He's not according to what the Father planned for him. Then it even speaks of our role. Christ who fills everything. We are the fullness of him, of him, and that's Christ, who fills everything in every way. Wow. That's deep. That's creator talk. That doesn't speak of his earthly sojourn. That speaks of his divine sojourn. It would be one thing that says, okay, so now that we're in Christ, now we'll, we'll be Jews and we'll go to back to Jerusalem and we'll rebuild the temple and all that. No. This role that Christ has, you got to read Colossians 1, 15 through 19 to see this role. That's not something that you see him in his earthly sojourn undertaking. And for us to be somehow mentioned... In the light of that, that we are part, we feel we are part of this. In Him, is to say that we are not just united to the humanity of Christ, which was Jewish, but we are united to the person of Christ, who has two natures. This part of His nature is the nature of His divine, of what He does in terms of His upholding the universe, the fact that he was the creator of all things. Guess what? He's responsible for all things. All things are ours. You saw those scriptures that really look odd in the Bible, but people don't know what to do with. But there they are. Ephesians 1.23. I just quoted it. And then point eight, we're going to close. I can't believe we actually are going to get to the end of this. 
6.8. In this critical period, we were born into the Father's plan. And I would say, it, <coughs> excuse me, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Ephesians 1. Let's read it. Not that we haven't read it, but seeing it in different lights related to different challenges helps reveal more about these scriptures that are there. So here, so as this, this one says, in this critical period, before time began, we were born into the Father's plan. So three says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me think about this for a second. I mean, this is, well, let's hold off on that. Let's just read it right this moment. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice he says he blessed us. I mean, you could say, well, wow, this is something that happened because we got saved. No, you can't. And, and where are we blessed? In the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing, notice, in Christ. That's where it is. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So this being chosen in Christ before the creation of the world is that critical period that we're talking about. That's when we were born. When he chose us in him. He had to do a lot to choose us because we, had, we weren't around. And neither was the world. Neither was the universe. So there had to be a lot of centuries, millennia before he could get to this place where he called us or he justified us and then later where we would be glorified. Chose us in him before the creation of the world. That, that's that critical period that we're talking about. We were born. That's where we... Now you could say we, we weren't physically born, but boy, the Father saw us. He selected us. He chose us. And... That's why we're here today, because of that selecting and choosing us to be here. And then all of that, the rest of it flows, and he saw all of it. Just imagine. So point D is our closing point in this chapter, uh, 17.5, verse rather. What should be our proper response to these things? So we'll just cover this, and we'll quit. So we're already at Ephesians 1.3. So the part that I want to focus on, on on this is here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That phrase. What should be our response? Here it is. Just like the Apostle Paul said. It should be praise. I mean, we should have an appreciation that is overflowing for what God has done for us. We should We should begin to see, first of all, what he has done before we can have appreciation and thankfulness and praise for what he has done. And I'm not talking about where these praise teams get together and they just rah, rah, you know, rally the troops. I'm talking about an understanding of what the Father's eternal purpose, the deep things of God are, the mind of Christ. When you finally get that understanding, you'll be just like the Apostle Paul. This should be our response. It can only be praise. To God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
because it's the plan that brings us on the stage in human history. A stage that was hidden from all other stages. A place where God is now doing something very special that he had in his heart in this period before the world began. I mean, what could we do possibly? We couldn't do anything. We showed up and all we're doing is learning about this purpose of God that was hidden before time began in God. God did not reveal it to anybody. Now he has. And it seems like the church is ignoring it. How can we possibly offer praise to, to, to God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? How can we offer that praise when we reject the way God has revealed it? Uh, we just can't even know it until, until we embrace it. That's our response. Praise. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us and the one he loves. That's true praise. When you come to understand what God the Father has done before time began, the, the wisdom that he is destined for our glory before time began. Now it's, it's about us bringing praise to God. If, if it's the highest thing we can think about, then we'll begin to order our lives according to it. So let's look at the Romans 5, 1 through 5. This is still with respect to what should we be doing? What should be our response? And I say should because it doesn't mean that everybody will have this response. Some might. Some might not ever come to know it. It'll continue to be a mystery to them and they'll be just as saved. But... They won't know it. But what should be our proper response to these things? I'll read it. Verse 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And this grace is, Paul understands, this very unique position that we're in, in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope, notice, of the glory of God. We know it's true. This, and when we boast in the hope of the glory of God, we're not boasting in our own accomplishments. We're boasting in the accomplishments of the cross, of what Christ did when he was here, what he established. It's not us. Notice, it's the hope of the glory of God. We don't have it yet. It's coming. Paul is saying here, we, we boast in it. We, now, to boast means we have confidence in it. It doesn't mean we run around telling people, beating our chest about it. It means our confidence, we know that this is going to be. This is going to be. We are bold in this because we know this is what God has destined our, us to. This is his plan for us. How can it fail? Cannot. Verse 3, not only so. But we also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we're in this world. Remember, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But don't look at it, don't look at it like that. Because Christ suffered the same thing you did. You're following in his steps if you're 
following God in this manner. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, character, hope. These are the stages of growth that we go through as we are separating ourselves from the world. Right? I just read, we're not of this world. This is a new purpose for ourselves. This is a new outlook on life that we have. And yet, that may be true positionally, but it may not be true experientially for you. But as you separate yourself from this world, the world is going to throw something back at you. Suffering is going to be. But the suffering produces, not. I'm going to give up now. Perseverance. Perseverance, character. And it shows that you have that hope, as we talked about earlier. And character, hope. And here it is in verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Because right? this hope is, for, for the world, it's crazy for you to think about yourself in, this, in these ways. It's crazy. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Thinking about this. In the ways, some of the things we've said about ourselves... The world will say, that's foolishness. And that's literally what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.15. Right? They would say it's foolishness. But this hope that we have does not make us ashamed. Why? Because, I'm, I don't have to say it, he's saying it. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So that love is our response. We can work with God the Holy Spirit as he has shed this love abroad. The love abroad in our hearts means that we understand the plan and now we are committing ourselves. We are devoted to the plan. We have this hope in ourselves that says we're going to get glory and we want this for ourselves. This is We want God's plan to continue and to, to fruition. We want to see the end, just like Christ said. Father, give me the glory that I have with you before the world began. So that love says that we're tied in now. We're not just hanging on, you know, just existing and not understanding and ignorant and children and all that. We understand. We know the love that goes beyond knowing that, that we may reach, as it says, if we see eye to eye with God, all the fullness of God. That's what it says. We may reach, as Paul, Paul says in Ephesians 3, all the fullness of God. I can read it really quick. And then we're going to have to close, but <clears throat> it says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The only way we're going to do that is through that love. That is our response. But that is the pinnacle of allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to lead you, to have that motivation. That it becomes a part of who you are, your character. You, it, it becomes a part of the hope, the absolute confidence that you know what the Father's plan is for you. So as we, as we read these verses going forward, keep these things in mind, pin them somewhere, make sure you understand them because this is the hope to which he has called you. 
We're going to close, and we'll come back next week with the next verse. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. Again, a glorious time as we think about our calling and what is ahead of us. And we thank you for those who have persisted and were patient as we have gone over time. And we appreciate the church that you have given us here where we can come and discuss these things openly and freely that you have given us by means of your spirit. Thank you. All of this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.